and you're listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo, and joining me on the podcast today is Stephen Mack Jones, author of the August Snow series, and we're talking about the third book in that series, Dead of Winter, which just came out very recently. Now, Stephen Mack Jones, raised in Lansing, based in Metro Detroit, lifelong Metro Detroiter, lifelong Michigander, published poet, award-winning playwright, and a recipient of the prestigious Kresge Arts in Detroit Literary Fellowship. We're talking a lot about the creative process, about poetry, about plays, about writing, about the craft of writing, about crime fiction, mysteries, uh, a love of libraries too, but we are also talking a lot about the August Snow series. August Snow is a very compelling character, very richly defined, complex, kind, resolute, determined, devoted, modest character, an ex-police detective, now uh, a PI, solving the crimes for the marginalized who live at the fringes of Detroit's boundaries, based in southwest Detroit in Mexican town. Tough, smart, and struggling to stay alive, August Snow is the embodiment of Detroit. The son of an African-American father and a Mexican-American mother, he grew up, as I said, in Mexican town, joined the police force, and if you pick up book one, you, you can learn more about how this character in this fictional series was drummed out by a conspiracy of corrupt cops and politicians, but how August fights back. And then there is the second book, Lives Laid Away, which gets into, I mean, the drama of that book involves human trafficking. And again, August Snow stepping up to be the, the reluctant hero in that scenario. And then you come to Dead of Winter, where there is a shadowy Detroit real estate billionaire, a ruthless fixer, a successful Mexican town family business in the crosshairs, and gentrification. It seems gentrification has never been bloodier in the mystery that's laid out in this book. Book three, Dead of Winter, in the August Snow series by Michigan's own, Detroit's own Stephen Mac Jones. We're going to be talking a lot about how Detroit is a great place to set any fictional story and crime story and uh, an action-packed story, really. And we get to learn a lot more about August Snow in this book. So you'll learn about August, you'll learn about Stephen in this interview. Thanks for tuning in. I wanted to start with the character, actually, because this resonates with me. I share this opinion. And then I've also read a lot of reviews that echo this 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 opinion that says it's all variations on the same phrase that Stephen Jones has created a character that that we really want to follow, a character we really like, a character who could sustain a series, a character that, like I just said, has legs and a beating heart and a and a great energy about him, a great story, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and that's of course step one if you want to create a series. Can you tell us about creating August snow and, and getting that magic just right. That's difficult to say. All I all I can really say about um, the creation of the character August Snow is that it is people driven. It is I like to show characters, create characters that have a beating heart. Um and uh, reflect the things that the true things that people go through, the triumphs and failures and the anger and joy uh, 
certain characters without a beating heart are cutouts, they're tropes. Mm -hmm. And I don't care for that. And I don't think uh, readers care for that. Mm -hmm. They want some emotional investment Mm -hmm. in what they're reading. That's part of my motivation with uh, August and uh, the neighbors that surround him, um, his family, past and present. That's what drives drives me. The people around him drive this story, and that is the offsetting sort of incident and motivation behind the third book, Dead of Winter, is these people in his life who are very important to him. And they get a really commendable amount of time on on the stage, uh, they get they get a lot of uh, page space. They get a lot of dialogue. It isn't just August's story. You know what I mean? Right. That's right. really great. Um, also, I'd like it to be um, a reflection of, um, ultimately, a reflection of two things. Mm-hmm. And those things are what it means to be a Detroiter Absolutely. Uh, in this age. Detroit, like most cities, uh, major and minor, mm-hmm. um, villages and towns, has its own personality. Mm-hmm. And you don't really realize that until you go to another city. Mm-hmm. You know, you could take August and put him in the middle of Los Angeles mm-hmm. and Harry Bosch in the middle of Detroit, right. and both would be confused Mm -hmm. as to what was going on Mm -hmm. uh so it's a reflection of the personality of the city and how the residents of the city reflect back Mm -hmm. reflect that personality back Mm -hmm. uh in their interactions yeah these books have done such a great job of demonstrating that you you cannot just have the conception of Detroit being Midtown or a Q line or just Comerica Park or just the Red exactly. You know, there is the East Side, there is Corktown, there's, there's, and then talk about the neighborhood where we are. Talk about the neighborhood where August is and the decision to put him there. And you do such a good job of capturing the energy of that neighborhood too. Oh, thank you very much. It was a conscious decision to have August be biracial, um, Mexican-American and African-American, two of the largest minorities in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And it's also uh, a reflection of um, the fact that those two minorities have rarely gotten along. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can go from New York to L.A., and see the same um, dynamic play down. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to show that these two minority groups could get along through August. And August, uh, <clears throat> he doesn't see himself as one or the other. He sees himself as the best of each. Um, because he came from a loving home, uh, his mother being Mexican-American, his father being African-American. And 
the best of both is reflected in literature, in food, especially food. You may have noticed how I like food. <laughs> chapters, um, chapters often begin with uh, <laughs> detailed descriptions of uh, usually making me hungry as I read. Well, you know, I didn't get this way by uh, <laughs> dieting. So, <laughs> but yes, uh, that was important to me to show the best of those minorities and ethnic groups mm -hmm. and to also uh, let readers outside of Detroit know that this is a very dynamic city just about as far as cultures. Yeah. You, you can enjoy Vietnamese food, you can enjoy Korean food, uh, Greek food, Polish, um, yeah. French, uh, high French or French country. Sure. Uh, so it's all here. I don't think sometimes I think even we as Detroiters don't realize that or appreciate that. But um, there you have it. Mm -hmm. We we're a great, a great conglomeration of ethnicities. Sure. Sure. Tell me, uh, we can we can read your your biographical stats, and we see poet, and we see playwright, and then we see crime fiction. Talk about what drew you to that, for lack of any word, genre. Uh, what what was exciting about exploring that for you, based on your uh, writing well, history? When I was a young reader, and uh, and. Uh, let me interrupt myself. <laughs> My parents always emphasized the importance of reading, uh, of learning, and <clears throat> they conspired with, worked with, cajoled the people at our local Lansing Library to help me along that path. So <clears throat> this is for you, Jeff, yeah. and all the libraries and librarians out there, thank you for helping to raise me. <laughs> um, I, I, I am eternally grateful for that. What was your question? <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about uh, going from a poet to a playwright to now a crime fiction novelist and, and living in that realm. Yeah, yeah. It was exciting about it. Yeah. Well, as a young reader, I started out with science fiction. Um, I loved science fiction. Uh, it carried me away from this world and showed me the possibilities of the future. Um, but that, that soon went to um, poetry. And uh, I love poetry. I've, I've learned so much from poetry. Uh, the weight, the gravitas, the color, the smell, uh, the feel of individual words. Sure. Economy of language. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. How to build a world with only a few well-chosen words. Um, some of my favorite poets, um, Langston Hughes, Nikki Giovanni, Pablo Neruda, 
Frederico Garcia Lorca, uh, and I could I could go on and on. That's a uh, that's a pantheon right there, just by itself. Yes, yes, um, they are the ones that taught me the importance of the words you choose uh, and how to build a world with those few words. And while I was reading that, reading poetry, um, I gravitated, as most folks do, I'm sure you, you're the same way, Jeff, um, whenever you had a cold and it was the middle of winter and everything was bleak and the only thing that could help was a nice afghan over your shoulders a hot cup of tea and agatha christie oh yeah Um, or sir arthur conan doyle i mean that that mystery that involvement uh, mm-hmm. that that puzzle sure that sure. they gave you mm-hmm. yes um so that's where my love of the mystery genre began yeah. and it continued with uh robert parker uh dashiell hammett lauren estelman um who is the best <laughs> as far as i'm concerned uh and elmore leonard of course of course, of course. um so you know, that's that's a brief uh, um history of my development mm-hmm. uh both as a reader and uh writer by the way this this state has so many good writers it's incredible uh, we're finding that out just by this podcast alone with how many you know that it's it's phenomenal Mm -hmm. elmore leonard jim harrison Mm -hmm. karen dion steve hamilton Mm -hmm. wow it's Mm -hmm. it's uh, lauren estelman as i mentioned Mm -hmm. and it's worth noting Uh, that those those writers set their stories here just as you do and it ties back to what you were talking about about the nuances of Detroit and how much variety is here, culturally speaking. And reading your books drove that home for me again of how much is here. And you can set a fictional character here for fictional action, fictional adventures. And there's enough here to explore. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, you don't have to set your book in New York if you're not from New York. Who cares? You know, there's enough here. <laughs> you know. Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you one of the one of the joys of having written these books, um, and and when I write them, maybe I'm jumping ahead, mm-hmm. but one of the joys of writing them is I am my first reader. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, this, this may not sound very kind, but you'll understand I'm not writing for an audience right. or, uh, someone else. I don't think you can. Uh, if I, right. Right. Yeah. Um, I have to write something that will entertain and inform and move me. Right. And trust me, I can tell where the boring parts are. So, 
uh, you know, if I don't, if we, we call those exposition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll use that from yes. now on. There you go. But um, if I reach some um, unmoving exposition, <laughs> I'll cut it out. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll edit it. Mm -hmm. um, no one wants to bore themselves. Right. Right. Um, never mind, you know, uh, a friend, a neighbor, mm -hmm. a family member, a reader. Mm -hmm. Well, um, that, that goes into poetry and plays. There isn't any yeah. any fat there. You have to cut it. It you have to say what you got to say with the poem, or you got to move the story along with a play. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. And to be honest with you, um, if I were given, if someone gave me the choice of uh, okay, Steve, you have six months to write a really good poem or three months to write the first draft of a novel. I would take the novel every time because great poetry, good poetry is so hard yeah. to create. Yeah. It is it is monumentally difficult and there are people that have such talent at it um you know i was i was fortunate with a few of the poems that i wrote um in fact i i wrote a poem i believe i was 17 or 18 called the dream of 13 black women and i was very fortunate that it was published by the atlantic which was great and it was the first time it was the first time um i had been paid for my writing uh and at that age i thought wow 60 bucks mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's just the beginning pal uh <laughs> But uh, but again, I, I uh, my hats off to all of the wonderful poets yeah. and poetesses out there. It's like sculpting marble, uh, is really what oh. it is. Yes. Um, but that, I think that's important to note, especially if anyone out there is an aspiring author listening to this, is that you you are your first audience. You are your audience first, as you as you put it, and you, you can't put in things that you just because. Well, I. I think the reader will reader will like it if August does this, or yes. if, if August says that, maybe the reader will get a charm out of it, because you're not a talk show host doing a monologue. You know that's it's their job to please right. an audience with the usual beats. But but then well, go ahead. Well, even even with uh, the tropes of the uh, the genre, mm -hmm. crime fiction and detective genre um the hard, the hard there, boiled stuff right right um there are tropes mm -hmm. and i like messing with tropes mm -hmm. um you know somebody who's who's hard boiled mm -hmm. who likes strawberry smoothies <laughs> you know so messing with tropes is part of the fun mm -hmm. uh, that I had. Mm -hmm. And especially in this day and age, which is both a wonderful 
day and age mm-hmm. and very daunting and challenging mm-hmm. day and age. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's both beautiful and cynical, um, uh, endearing and deadly. Right. Um, so you have to, I have to look at the times where I'm at, the times that I exist in, and reflect those times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want it to be reflecting your times can turn into a manifesto sure and i'm not interested in manifestos right or but you have to look at the times that affect people mm-hmm. that's why it's so interesting with with august is that he has these crusader qualities uh you know fighting against corruption too but his disposition has these softer sides, and I think that's very important. We think of Sam Spade going around and talking tough to everybody and having just a hard exterior, but August has just a whole patchwork of moods and opinions, and we get to know all of them. It isn't just tough talk, and it isn't just going around uh, throttling people's collars. You know, he... (laughs) And I and I wearing, love... a bur- wearing that Burberry uh, trench coat. <laughs> Indeed, um, that there is that 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 softer side. And I guess talk about a little bit about this story that if people haven't picked up the book yet, is that this is tied into, uh, I guess, folks that um, August would even consider family, if not extended family. And then there is this romantic component coming in and you know that leads to an interesting ending to, to tell us about this story that you laid out for book three dead of snow well or dead of uh, winter first, book three um thought i it usually just magnetically attaches to my face <laughs> um book three is well let me begin this way uh we all know what detroit has gone through uh so much and and I, I'm essentially referring to uh, the bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And um, when Detroit was going through bankruptcy, there wasn't a single other major metropolitan city in America that was pointing at Detroit and laughing. Not a one was laughing. They were watching very carefully because they held some of the same municipal bonds. And they knew that their house was at least partially a house of cards. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, et cetera, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We were the first house that fell. But there were, um, Detroit showed its innovative side as far as rebuilding itself and has become so successful at the rebuilding effort um, that you know restaurants popped up everywhere wonderful restaurants Uh, the core of the city was renewed in that renewal there was uh, the popular saying gentrification uh which was to be expected i'm not saying that you had to like it 
but it was to be expected. And um, land that once went for land and buildings that once went for pennies on the dollar uh, was assumed skyrocketing in price. Mm -hmm. Uh, New condos and apartments were growing up, going up. And I started giving thought to um, this growth has got to be very interesting to a number of people, a number of organizations. And when does gentrification have a deadly cause? Mm-hmm. Especially in poorer to middle class neighborhoods uh, within the city limits. And that's what gave um, birth to Dead of Winter. Mm-hmm. How far are people willing to go uh, for this this land grab? Mm-hmm. Um, will there be blood on the hands of some speculation uh, realtors? Uh, and that's that's essentially what brought it home. And what brought it home was August living in Southwest Detroit, right. Mexican town. Right. And it became personal mm-hmm. um, because of um, a business that his mother used to work work at. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a family business. and A family business in motivation Mexican to, town. Uh, to, to, to set it up, August is at first initially offered to buy it. I mean, become an owner of this of this business in a sense to keep it in a family they consider august family and to keep it family owned rather than corporate owned or what have you yes um another thing we were losing though we were losing those mom and pops right and august doesn't want to be a business owner um he as he says i have enough trouble running my own house uh, never mind a business, but he promises to look into a shady aspect of the offer that this business has received, mm-hmm. and from there it it just snowballs. It, indeed, it does. Your pacing's really um, good because there, this story, and I won't say any spoilers here, accelerates and gets exciting and action-packed and even violent and you know what i mean I, I, it, it's it isn't necessarily yes. your i i mean i i do use that word um action for lack of another word it is a mystery yeah. it is crime fiction it does have that uh gumshoe angle to it but um you certainly you certainly put august through a lot in this book an incredible yeah. amount yeah thank you thank you for bringing that up jeff um you know after the second book i felt well I can't write the same book over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to raise the stakes. Uh, sometimes life is like that. Um, there are no good decision, good, bad decisions. There's only uh, decisions that you can choke down easier than other decisions. And that's, that is kind of the situation that August uh, finds himself in. 
another thing is the first two books, I, I teased the reader, I teased myself about uh, his relationship with uh, Tatina, mm-hmm. his girlfriend who is uh, lives in Norway. She's German, half German, half Somali, uh, and came to Norway as a refugee from those perpetual civil wars in Somalia. And I I teased at their relationship in the first two books, and I thought, no, you can't do that again. (laughs) I I really want to meet her. Yep. Um, I, as the first reader, really want to meet her and find out uh, the stuff that she's made of. Mm -hmm. And in the writing, I, I discovered that the stuff she is made of is the stuff that my mother, my grandmothers, um, my aunts uh, were made of. This tough, loving, no BS, but a heart full of love yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Some of my favorite parts of the book is when she's on the page. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I... <sighs> Jeff, you know, it's weird because I don't think, I think of their relationship as romantic, Mm -hmm. but I also think of it as in, as in terms of um, theoretical physics. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that weird? It might Um, be. I was going to say that they feel like old souls. They feel like they've already been married 10 years. That's the vibe they have. Uh, Very um, cozy already. But but I I wanted, uh, there's there's a um, uh, theoretical physics, and I think it's been borne out, uh, called uh, quantum entanglement. Oh, yes. And um, Einstein once dismissed it as... Um, is it spooky action at a distance? Spooky action at a distance, yes. Uh, where two protons entangle for a second. And then each of those protons uh, goes a distance, uh, whether it's... A hundred thousand light years or a million light years away, but they retain memory and action mm-hmm. reaction with the other, and that is that's one of the things that I wanted to bring to life with with August and Tatina, that regardless of the distance between them, sometimes there is there is this love there is they have wherever they are Mm -hmm. um a hundred miles a thousand miles they feel each other's heart oh absolutely Um, and that's that's what i i wanted to bring out with uh this third book absolutely that comes across that does come across and i i it reminded me of the going back to what August says at the beginning of the book where he says, well, no, thank you. It's not, I wouldn't really want to own a business, but I am going to look into this. 
Uh, there's a line in the book, and I and I won't spoil it, but I do love the line. I'm not going to say where it is in the book, but and it just it made me love August even more. August says, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and who really does? There's that conviction to do the right thing and help out the Ochoa family. And there's this also this compulsion to to be with Tatina. And you might not know what he's doing. You know what I mean? I love right. that about the book. But who does? And he just uh, he does it, you know? Not the uh not the not the super uber confident uh hard surface chip on the shoulder guy who says, I know what I'm doing. Right. I'm I, I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm gonna do the right I just like being in August's head. You do a great job of that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Jeff. Yeah. Um, are you writing lately, I guess, is the later last question of this interview. How's, how are you writing now? How's it going? Are you working on book four? That kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the easy questions. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> um, you know, the only reason I'm hesitating is because... Uh, and I've said this before, I'm like most uh, Midwesterners. Uh, you don't talk about what you're doing or what you're going to do. You talk about it when it's done. That's great. Um, I will say that um, I'm, I am working on um, the fourth mm -hmm. in the series um and quite possibly after that uh i may take a break and uh follow uh, a few other ideas that i have um in general though i think that's great advice again for any writers out there uh you you can't spend three hours and write maybe four pages and then go out to the coffee shop and tell the barista Boy, oh boy, I'm working on a novel. It's going great. I've got four pages. I'm so excited. You, you working on a novel? I'm working on a novel. We're working on novels. But it is, it is a, it is a, it is like a private marathon. And uh, the more you broadcast it, yes. it's almost like you're putting more pressure on yourself because the next time that barista sees you, they'll say, "How's the book coming?" and Maybe you only wrote one more page, you know, so. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and you have to lie about it and then feel bad about it. Right. And then wonder why you spent $7 on coffee. Uh, it is such a private kind of creation, creation process. I guess as all art should be, if I could just make that broad statement, yes. you know. Yes. You get into your lab. It might be your desk and your laptop, but it's your lab and you just work and... Yes. Bring it, bring it out when it's ready. So exactly, exactly. Well, Want to thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. This has been such a great series. We're three books in. We will very patiently wait for whenever book four is around. But Dead of Winter is out now. And if you're listening to this and you have not read August, no good news. You can start with book one and just work your way up. And just want to say thanks again, Stephen Jones, for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. And if I could just say. Um, to anyone that sees this, anyone that listens to it, support the Ferndale Library. Support whatever library you are near. All libraries. Um, all libraries. Because um, we support each other. We, we root for each other. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Librarians 
are the original search engine. <laughs> so, you know, support these folks, support uh, your local library. Um, they are an institution that could disappear. And you may wonder, well, I, I thought they would always be with us. Mm-hmm. So they need your support. So please do that. Yeah. I mean, we are like the post office and the rainforest at the same time. We're here and we are wonderful. <laughs> Coral Reef, we, we, we are not necessarily a given. We need, you know, yes. you need to nurture these places and, and really loved your anecdote about similar to Ray Bradbury's story of the library raising you. That's just beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks again, Jeff. Stephen Jones, thank you. Take care. You too. And that was our chat with Stephen Mac Jones, author of the August Snow series. There are three books out there if you want to get started, or if you have been following it and you haven't read the latest. It's called Dead of Winter. StephenMacJones.com is the website, and we'll link to that in our show notes as well. So we want to say thanks to Stephen for joining us, and thank you for listening to our podcast, which is called A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. The music that you've been hearing at the beginning and the outro here is by a local musician known as Zunset. He's on Bandcamp, and we'll link to that in the show notes as well. If you want to support this podcast, you can go to ferndalefriends.org. You can like, you can leave a comment, you can follow us, uh, you can recommend it, you can share it on social media, especially if you liked this episode, share it on social media. Or if you know someone who likes talking about books and likes hearing from authors, tell them about this podcast. We'll be back next week with more. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.